welcome to Living Water Radio. It's been said that seeing is believing. Is it? Today we're going to look at both the truth and the limitations of that statement, and how the statement believing is a way of seeing is also true and limited, and how we can benefit from both ways of seeing. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Remember the two-color dress controversy in 2015? That's right. Next week, it will have been five years ago. It was over a picture online of a dress which some saw as black and gold, and others saw as white and blue. Others have popped up since that time. People looking at the same image see it very differently based on how the brain sees color and light. I posted a picture yesterday of what looked like two cushions, one gray and one white. Yet, if you put your finger over the line in between, they both appear to be gray. One commentator on another site said that shading influences your eye, kind of like truth. It can be distorted depending on how it's shaded. Is seeing always believing? Can our senses always be trusted? Is truth what we see or what we believe? It's been said that we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. It can be argued that the role of science is to force us not to do this, but to see things as they are. And that's possible up to a point. After that, we see things in light of particular assumptions about the way the world works. Science also seeks to remove the assumptions that aren't true, but it can only do that under the assumption that the only things that are real and true are the things that can be measured numerically or confirmed physically. Everything can be described and measured numerically or confirmed physically on a superficial level. After that, we have to start making non-scientific philosophical assumptions, such as that nothing exists that can't be understood numerically or physically which seems to be just too convenient. That is, that we always pass the tests that we write for ourselves. For example, if everything has a cause, what is the first cause? If beauty can be completely described with mathematics, why does it inspire? Where does the inspiration for double-bind experiments come from, and why? What do you see when you look at a stained-glass window? If it's daytime and you're looking at it from the outside, you see a dark brown blob. If you're looking at it from the inside, you see colors and patterns and meaning. If it's nighttime, the opposite is true. Day or night, what is making the difference? The light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, we read, Again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Science gives us one kind of factual knowledge. It uses principles that have been shown to be consistent in the material world to describe the material world. That's all it can do. It can't speculate on the purpose of life or what exists that cannot be measured and therefore controlled. 
It can't say that a thing cannot exist because it can't be described with material laws. It can't say something has no meaning because it has no measurable form. The contributions of science have been a blessing and a curse on the human race. Look at where we are in the pandemic. We are happy that science is focused on an effective vaccine to thwart a global pandemic and not another weapon of mass destruction like, say, a biological weapon, for example. There are a lot of people floating all kinds of theories about the origin of COVID-19, the reason for its spread, the nature of the vaccine. What science has done for us is give us easily verifiable reasons for having confidence in effective means for slowing the spread of COVID-19 like wearing masks, washing or sanitizing our hands regularly, maintaining social distance, avoiding crowds, staying at home unless providing an essential service or seeking one, and so on, and more reliable treatments and vaccines that will stop it in its tracks. People have lots of opinions about these things, and everyone's entitled to their own opinions, but they are not entitled to their own facts. Sally and I have received our first vaccine doses, and we'll get our second in a few weeks. Revelation is another kind of knowledge. It's a kind of knowledge that can only be revealed by God. Its contributions have also been a blessing and a curse, as by itself it is very difficult to tell who is telling the truth, and the stakes are high. Who does and does not speak for God? In Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting at verse 18, we read, I will raise up for them a prophet, like you, from among their own people. I will put my words in in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Everyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, or or presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. You tell who is speaking for the Lord by seeing if what they prophesy takes place, or proves true. But how do we do that in real time? What would you make of this story, and the many like it? I read a feature in Reader's Digest a few years ago called something like The Best Salesman I Ever Knew. In one of the stories, a man told of being a new employee on the sales team of a company with an excellent sales department. He was sent out to shadow one of the best salespersons in the company. One of their clients was a small church in the rural south. The two salesmen attended an evening meeting of the board to make their pitch in a back corner of the worship space. When their presentation was finished, the president of the board said that he needed to bring the matter before the Lord. He excused himself and went to the altar and prayed. The president returned and said, The Lord said, Wait. The supervising salesperson excused himself and also went to the altar and prayed. Then he returned and said, He'd like to speak with you again. Did the salesperson speak with the Lord? Did the Lord change his mind? If not, do you think God is pleased by this kind of cynicism? Seems kind of self-serving on the part of the salesman. But how would you know? Reason and revelation. Reason and revelation can both be our guides, but they both need to be rooted in the truth. We use our reason and seek God's revelation. We look to our experience and to the word and sacraments, with one as a check on the other. And we exercise humility knowing that, as Paul writes at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. How do we know the truth that comes from revelation tempered by reason? In John, the 18th chapter, beginning at the 37th verse, where Jesus is being tried by the Roman governor in Jerusalem, we read, Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? Jesus answered a few chapters earlier in the Gospel of John. We see the conversation with Jesus' disciples. John 14, starting at verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth is not primarily a proposition. It is a person. Jesus is the truth. How do we seek the truth? You've heard that phrase, the truth will make you free. It comes from the Bible and is usually quoted out of context and thrown in our faces. Here it is in its context, just a few chapters earlier from the verses we just read also in the Gospel of John, this in the 8th chapter, the 31st verse. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It starts with a conditional phrase, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How do we determine the truth? We don't. We discern the leading of God, the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is very subjective, but that's how God works with people. We consider the whole testimony of the Bible, the witness of the church, our reason, and the voice of God within us through creation that declares the majesty of God, Jesus, the light of the world, and through the Holy Spirit, the streams of living water. That is the blessing of both reason and revelation, seeing and believing. It comes from the eyes to see and the ears to hear, the movement and the voice of God. Today, let's remember to pray for those struggling for racial equality and for those who protect and serve. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. 
If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. Mm